As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. So, Mike, you've heard a lot of the chatter around mental models, right? For sure, I have. So, to be honest, at first, I didn't really get it. A mental model, I didn't need a model to teach me how to think. Uh, but then I kept seeing people, people I look up to, respect, they kept talking about it. So, I, I decided to dig in a bit more. Nice. What would you find out? Well, that I need a mental model to teach me how to think. I mean, <laughs> this stuff is pretty fascinating. So, where do we start with this today? Well, let's go back to the beginning. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. So let's start at the beginning and then we'll dive into the good stuff. All right. So in the beginning. Right. So in the beginning, there was Charlie Munger. That's Warren Buffett's business partner, right? 
Exactly. The famous investor, lawyer, and vice chairman at Berkshire Hathaway. I remember he is the one that had that famous speech, like the psychology of human misjudgment. Is that Yep, exactly. The psychology of human misjudgment. In this speech, he walks through several of the mental models he's developed over the years through investing that helped him kind of identify his own bias. Okay, so we keep saying mental models. Like, how are we defining what a mental model is? Great question, right? So I asked Gabriel Weinberg, the CEO of DuckDuckGo, and Brandon Chu, the general manager and VP of product at Shopify, for their definitions. So let's start with Gabriel. A mental model is really just a concept um, that you use to simplify the world around you. So in startup land, there's many, right? There's critical mass, which actually comes from physics, about how to think of a, a company getting traction. There's the jobs to be done theory. There's disruptive innovation. There's, there's hundreds of these. And what I realized, um, and the reason I made that list, was to really be a good entrepreneur and a good decision maker and to train executives, you really need to know a lot of concepts. Like, I I wrote out, there were 300 of them. And so I wrote out this big list and I I came to the realization that that's why I had gotten good at um, my job. And people were asking me from the executive team, how do I get better? And I realized, um, by asking them, how many of these concepts do you know? And they really only knew like 20%, that the best way I could help grow my team was to help them really understand the rest of these concepts. Yeah, I, I think of a mental model as sort of something that is proven to be true in the way that the world works, uh, that you gain through experience over time, that you sort of, you build up this heuristic so that you, you stop kind of challenging that that's the way things work in a way. So, you know, Charlie Munger, who is the uh, uh, Berkshire Hathaway vice chairman, he he was the one that really kind of popularized, I think, uh, not, not mental models, but really the idea of, you know, accumulating them over time in a lattice work is what he called them. And he basically described it as, as just like wisdom. <laughs> so like as you uh, as you get older and you accumulate wisdom, uh, how do you actually use that wisdom to uh, make better decisions and to live a better life and uh, so there's so many elements of that I think in decision making when it comes to product and uh, but it also just like is is an important part of just life okay so it's really just a concept that you can use to help try to explain things I feel like we should go through maybe Munger's speech and break that down a bit before we dive deeper into how product people are using them today does that make sense yeah all right yeah, let's let's do that. So let's start there. Munger gave this famous speech in 1995 um, after he had spent time reflecting on the concepts that helped him make better investment decisions over time. And a lot of that was him trying to discover his own biases, uh, looking inward and trying to build ways of thinking that helped him make more rational decisions. Yeah, so we have that famous speech for everyone today. Yes, and it's a long one, but we've pulled out some of our favorite parts specifically related to what's now known as mental models. I figured we'd walk through some of the mental models that he identified in the speech, and then we'll break them down a little bit. Sounds good. So the very first mental model we'll be covering is... Psychological misjudgment. First, simple psychological denial. This first really hit me between the eyes when a friend of our family had a super athlete, super student son who flew off a carrier in the North Atlantic and never came back. He means the plane crashed, in case you didn't catch that. And his mother, who had was a very sane woman, 
just never believed he was dead. Simple psychological denial. The reality is too, too painful to bear, so you just distort it until it's bearable. We all do that to some extent, and uh, it's a common psychological misjudgment that causes terrible problems. Now, this next one I've seen in growing companies, even where at different phases of growth, we'd have different groups of people who'd join the team and eventually we'd reach a place where there was an old guard and a new guard who often didn't agree on things. Munger refers to this as consistency and commitment tendency. I can think of five or six scenarios just off the top of my head that this applies to. <laughs> just remember, we don't talk about politics on this show, Michael. All right, right, right. So <laughs> let's hear what Munger had to say. Bias from consistency and commitment tendency. And this is a superpower in error-causing psychological tendency. The human mind is a lot like the human egg. And the human egg has a shut-off device. When sperm gets in, it shuts down so the next one can't get in. The human mind has a big tendency of the same sort. And here again, it doesn't just catch ordinary mortals. It catches the deans of physics, according to Max Planck. The really innovative, important new physics was never really accepted by the old guard. Instead, a new guard came along that was less brain-blocked by its previous conclusions. And if Max Planck's crowd had this commitment tendency in spite of disconfirming evidence, you can imagine what the crowd that you and I are part of behaves like. And of course, if you make a public disclosure of your conclusion, you're pounding it in to your own head. Many of these students that are screaming at us you know, they aren't convincing us, but they're forming metal chains for themselves because what they're shouting out, they're pounding in. So, Mike, you remember Pavlov, right? You're going to take me back to my psychology classes now, aren't you? A little bit, right? Do you remember his famous theory? I mean, I remember, like, the dog and, and the chime. Like, I, is that right? Yes, that's it. He established a basis for conditioning and proved how experiences, especially repeat experiences, created correlated associations in our head, whether they were causal or not. And correlation does not imply causation, right? Right, exactly. The classic data analysis motto. But it's true. So here's Munger. I never took a course in psychology or economics either, for that matter. And uh, But I did learn about Pavlov in high school biology. You know, so the dog salivated when the bell rang. So what? The Pavlovian association is an enormously powerful psychological force in the daily life of all of us. Well, I'd say three quarters of advertising works on pure Pavlov. Take Coca-Cola Company. They want to be associated with every wonderful image. Heroics in the Olympics, wonderful music, you name it. They don't want to be associated with presidents' funerals. When have you seen a Coca-Cola ad associated with bad psychologically rooted tendencies? All these psychological tendencies work largely or entirely on a subconscious level, which makes them very insidious. Talking about economics, you've got two products. Now, you think under the laws of economics that if product A costs X plus something, if product B costs X minus something, it will sell better than if it sells at X plus something. But that's not so. In many cases, when you raise the price of the alternative product, it'll get a larger market share than it would when you make it lower than your competitor's product. Pure old Pavlov and his dog. And with that, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country, or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. 
N. Backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. Okay, so we've studied a bit of pricing psychology at this point, tiered pricing, nudging, etc. Reciprocation tendency really helped me better describe price anchoring and why it's such a powerful technique. Bias from reciprocation tendency, including the tendency of one in a role to act as other persons expect. It is so easy to be a patsy, the compliance practitioners of this life. Cialdini demonstrated this by running around the campus and he asked people to take delinquents to the zoo. One in six actually agreed to do it. And after he'd accumulated the statistical output, he went around on the same campus and he asked other people, would you devote two afternoons a week? And there he got 100% of the people to say no. But after he'd made the first request, he backed off a little. And he said, well, would you at least take them to the zoo one afternoon? He raised the compliance rate to a half. He got three times the success by just going through the little ask for a lot and back off. Now, if the human mind on a subconscious level can be manipulated that way, and you don't know it, I always use the phrase, you're like a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. Over-influenced by social proof, that is, the conclusions of others, particularly under conditions of natural uncertainty and stress. So you know that, that strip of logos that every startup page has? Honestly, even established companies have those these days. I mean, I was just on Slack's website and they have a line of case studies that they use as social proof. Right. It's everywhere. And this phenomenon was described by Charlie Munger as that exactly, social proof. Big shot businessmen get into these waves of social proof. Do you remember some years ago when one oil company bought a fertilizer company? And every other major oil company practically ran out and bought a fertilizer company. And there was no more damn reason for all these oil companies to buy fertilizer companies. But they didn't know exactly what to do. And if Exxon was doing it, it was good enough for mobile or vice versa. And of course, it was a total disaster. Ah, hearing the flip side here is pretty interesting. Realizing that just because other companies are using a particular product doesn't mean that it's the right product for your company. Or better yet, just because a competitor built a particular feature doesn't mean that it solves your customers' problems or your business's problems. That's it. Yeah, that's the power of mental models right there. Taking a step back, reanalyzing a decision from a different perspective. It gives you kind of a superpower in a way. Yeah, yeah. So this next one is very similar to reciprocation tendency, which, as you remember, helped explain price anchoring. Contrast cause distortion is a similar mental model that helps to guard against being overly influenced by immediate experiences that in some cases are designed to distort your decision making. Here, the great experiment that Cialdini does in his class is he takes three buckets of water. One's hot, one's cold, and one's room temperature. He has the students stick his left hand in the hot water and his right hand in the cold water. Then he has them remove the hands and put them both in the room temperature bucket. And of course, with both hands in the same bucket of water, one seems hot and the other seems cold. Because the sensation apparatus of man is over-influenced by contrast. It has no absolute scale. Maybe you've had a magician remove your watch without your noticing it. I certainly have. It's the same thing. He's taking advantage of contrast. Cognition mimics sensation. And the cognition manipulators mimic the watch-removing magician. Cialdini cites the case of the real estate broker 
you got the rube that's been transferred into your town. And the first thing you do is you take the rube out, the two of the most awful overpriced houses you've ever seen. And then you take the rube to some moderately overpriced house and then you stick them. And you think you're immune from these things and you laugh and I want to tell you, you aren't. My favorite analogy, I have this friend I like to play bridge with. He said, Charlie, he says, if you throw a frog into hot water, the frog will jump out. But if you put the frog in room temperature water and just slowly heat the water up, the frog will die there. Now, I don't know whether that's true about a frog, but it sure as hell true about many of the businessmen I know. The real estate technique hits close to home on that one. Okay, so this next one is interesting for product people. And something we see all the time as we evolve interfaces, add new features, move things around. Deprival super reaction syndrome. That's that's a big thing to say. But <laughs> that's where people have a strong reaction to something being taken away that they already feel that they possess, whether it's tangibly or intangibly. Right. He tells the story of Coke developing new Coke. The the Coca-Cola company nearly torched his business over this. Or, you know, they were about to hand a massive advantage over to its rival Pepsi by underestimating people's reaction to change of just the flavor of Coke. They overinvested in their brand and they didn't realize that people would have such a negative reaction to being deprived of that Coke flavor. Yeah, and huge insanities can come from even subconsciously overweighing the importance of what you're losing over what you get or might get. Yeah, so we get this consistently when we change even a seemingly unused feature at Dribble. We recently removed a recent shot feed that by all data counts, no one used. But sure enough, Twitter erupted the day that we removed it, and we had to put it back, and we got praise and praise for days. <laughs> Is anybody using it now? No, no, not at all. <laughs> Classic. All right, so th this next one is something that everybody struggles with, and it's probably the cause of too many bad business decisions. Ah, yes. Envy jealousy. Bias from envy jealousy. Well, envy jealousy made, what, two out of the Ten Commandments? Here again, you go through the psychology survey courses. You go to the index. Envy, jealousy. Thousand-page book. It's blank. There's some blind spots in academia. I've heard Warren say a half a dozen times, it's not greed that drives the world, but envy. But so many problems and bad decisions would turn out differently if we were just able to recognize envy jealousy. Okay, so how about this one? You've played a lot, all right? I mean, I've played it a few times, sure. Have you ever just paid and gotten a random string of numbers? Uh, usually I use my lucky numbers, you know, birthdays, you know, things like that. So you've only played once or twice, right? Where is this going? <laughs> okay. So there's a reason you pick your numbers instead of having them randomly given to you. It's called misgambling compulsion. Bias from misgambling compulsion. For instance, a lottery. You have a lottery where you get your number by lot and then somebody draws a number by lot. It gets lousy play. You get a lottery where people get to pick their number, get big play. The minute they picked it themselves, it gets an extra validity. After all, they thought it and they acted on it. And uh, look at what's happening to our country. Every Indian has a reservation, every river town. And, uh, and look at the people who were ruined by it. Then you take slot machines, you get bar, bar, 
Lama. That happens again and again and again. You get all these near misses. Well, that's deprival super reaction syndrome. And boy, do the people who, who create the machines understand human psychology. Okay, so we've got one more to cover, but we should probably take a quick break right here with a word from our sponsors. Okay, this next one is dangerous for all of us. Liking distortion and disliking distortion. Bias from liking distortion, including the tendency to especially like oneself, one's own kind, and one's own idea structures. And the tendency to be especially susceptible to being misled by someone liked. Disliking distortion, the reciprocal of liking distortion, and the tendency not to learn appropriately from someone disliked. I feel seen right now. (laughs) All right, well, that... It's going to wrap up today, but what do we have coming up soon? Well, we're going to be looking at specific mental models for product people and entrepreneurs. Right. We talked with Gabriel Weinberg, again, the founder of DuckDuckGo, and a favorite of ours here on the podcast, as well as Lauren McCain, a statistician and researcher who co-authored Super Thinking with Weinberg, and then also Brandon Cho, the the general manager and VP of product at Shopify. Um all about mental models that they use every day in making better product decisions. And we might have a few other interviews up our sleeves. I guess you'll have to tune in to find out. So that's all coming up on Rocketship FM. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It's your support that keeps the show going. Rocketship.fm is now part of the Podglomerate Network. If you want to learn more about the other shows on the Podglomerate Network, go to thepodglomerate.com. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. If you go to productcollective.com, you could check out live video interviews, sign up for our newsletter, be a part of our Slack group with over 6,000 product people. Just check it out at productcollective.com.